Welcome to the Love Cars on the Grid podcast, your global motorsport roundup with me, Tiffany Dell and Paul Woodman. Welcome to episode 21 of Love Cars on the Grid, the global motorsport roundup podcast. Well, I'm a little bit depressed this morning, I've got to admit, after an action-packed weekend around the globe, but a bit closer to home at Brands Hatch, I was racing in the caterums and Tiff was there cheering me on, but wasn't much cheering you could do. I've got a little doggy here as well. <laughs> it was the weather. It was the weather, but weather, but weather. Come on, you had a, you had a greasy qualifying session and then... You, then you pick your wrong tyres for the race. For some reason, you went with the more treaded tyre that, that had gone well in tested the day before, but didn't really work in the race, did it? Uh, it's just, I, don't, I really don't know what I'm thinking. I've, I, I, I genuinely don't know what I'm thinking. Silverstone got in my head with tyre choices, um, and I was fast. I was the third fastest overall at Brian Tatch in, in the race. Yeah. I, was, I was fast in testing, and I just made a couple of silly mistakes. I, I, I got very, very greedy. <laughs> It is literally like Caterham Racing, for those of you who have never seen it, hopefully you've seen a few of our videos. It's like a pack of wolves. As soon as you leave the door open a tiny bit, that people just go past you. It's, it's incredible. It's like, it's like that Will Smith movie. Have you ever seen I Am Legend? He opens the door a little bit and all these zombies come rushing in. <laughs> and it feels like that. It's, you get mugged for the smallest of mistakes. Uh-huh. I got... I, um, again, got up to fourth place, had a, had a very average start, got up to fourth place, feeling quite good, no problems. And then I had the most amazing move made on me. The guy did a tank slapper going to Paddock Hill. For anyone that knows Brian Hatch, the craziest bend is a bit like a rouge. It sort of dips right down into the valley and he got completely out of control. So I he's back thinking he's obviously going to crash and he somehow held it. And from there on in, I was back with the pack and... It just didn't work. Your moves, yeah. Your, this time, your recovery moves didn't work out, Paul. But Everybody, you're all living and learning. Move on, move on. Put it behind you. Where are we next? Croft. Uh, Croft next. No hand signals, which I was yeah. pleased with. Um, and no. lovely, <laughs> lovely that you were there to... Um, uh, to, to well, I was there to stand on the podium with you, Paul. But, you know... Uh, you know well, you've only got three more chances. Three more chances, is it? Well, one at Croft and two at Snetterton. Is that right? Exactly right. But, but it was okay. for you to be there for a number of reasons, but of course to pay tribute to Robert Foote as well, who uh, sadly lost his yeah, life yeah. exactly a week before. So that was that was nice seeing you yeah. right at the front for that as well. So I think we'll move on. We will have a we'll full, move on. full video. We'll move on to Snetterton, where you will be on the podium. <laughs> last, you've got two shots there. It's a nice track with a lot of overtaking chances at Snetterton. I mean, Brands is difficult to overtake, you know, and if you, as you found out, if you make a move at Brands Hatch, you quite often, often lose two or three places if your move doesn't work. So, uh, yeah, move on, Paul. Okay. So, British GT were up at Snetterton <laughs> last weekend with a win for, wins for Aston Martin, the Mercedes, they're all in the rain and tyres wearing out. Um, stay with GT. We had the DTM, which they use GT3 rules. Because um, we've got a bit of British in this there. Audi and Mercedes had a win each. Um, Alexander Albon, of course, who's out there plying his train. Red, Red Bull have stuffed him. I don't think he's enjoying DTM. We had a third and a, a sixth, I think, in the two races. I mean, DTM, I is, DTM now, is sexy stuff, but when you've gone from Formula 1 to DTM, it's... Well, I know. Quite well, especially now it's GT3 cars. They haven't got the supercars that they had before. So they're now on GT3 regulations. So they're more production-based. and They're out in the Ferraris. 
But I think Albon must be looking at, at Formula One and thinking, oh, you know, Perez isn't doing any better than me. And he's not, you know, Perez, Chico, look at those qualifying times. He's still well behind Verstappen as much as, as Albon was. And, you know, you know, he'll never get a Grand Prix drive again, I doubt. Albon, it doesn't work that way. They'll put someone new in. But you know, Perez might stay in for another year. I'm sure he will, because I think Red Bull are just realising that they, they can't find another driver that's anywhere near as quick as Max. But, uh, you know, I think Albon could very well just be doing just as good a job. You know, when you think he nearly won in Austria, you know, a year ago, and uh, he must be very frustrated doing GT3. Uh, the two Brits out there, Philip Ellis, of course, who won a race a couple of rounds ago. Yeah, he had a poor weekend at eighth, and uh, I wish he'd be eighth and sixteenth. Not really on it at all. But Esme Hawkey, um, she's plying her trade out there for Audi. She had a thirteenth and um, qualified tenth for the second race, one place ahead of Album, ended up thirteenth, but beat Sophia Florsch, uh, the only other woman in the race. So mixed fortunes for the Brits in DTM. But then, of course. Big race for us was probably MotoGP. I think most British fans would have been watching, uh, which began, of course, with Rossi finally in the week before announcing he's going to retire at the end of the year. You know, I've said this on, on this podcast. We've before, been saying that for him, yeah, exactly. We've been saying that for a while now. But uh, I wanted him to retire straight away, you know, because I'm still terrified he'll go and injure himself one of these last races. And he trailed round at the back. I think he finished about tenth or eleventh on a reasonable run, but. Uh, Valentino Rossi. I mean, just I've tweeted. You know, I think he's the greatest motorsport talent, all in, in all disciplines. You know, in terms of, of the skills he had in, in his form of the sport, which is two wheels, and his character and his charm and his wicked sense of. He's just. He's just. Have you frozen? Have you lost me? You're frozen. I can hear you loud and clear. <laughs> I thought you were going to comment on Valentino. Valentino, left Va Valentino Rossi, I agree. And what he did for uh, motorsport in general, as you just said, well, that's a high accolade, what you said, but uh, certainly for uh, for you know the biking fraternity, incredible. And Susie Perry, I love reading her sort of tributes because she knows yeah. probably as good as anyone else. So, um, yeah, uh, the, the doctor... Um, <laughs> anyway, great race. The Syrian Grand Prix, of course, it's this double header. They're at the same track, the Red Bull Ring, next weekend for the Austrian Grand Prix. And um, Moto 3 sort of returned to the top seven of the podium for little Pedro Acosta. It was a wet starting race, and um, some started on slicks, including John McPhee, which was the wrong choice. McPhee ended up back in 13th. Um, but the ones on wet tyres making them last. And there was an amazing battle between Acosta and his, his closest. Challenger of the championship, Sergio Garcia. And they pulled a 20-second lead, very unlike Moto3, uh, because the track was so single line, it was a drying line. But it was a wonderful last lap. They swapped the lead twice. Uh, but coming to the penultimate corner, Acosta was second, and he did his trademark up the inside, incredible late braking, didn't touch Garcia, but Garcia went slightly wide, got on the wet, front wheel went. But it was amazing. He was able to remount and come back and finish second while Acosta won. So incredible, quite incredible. exciting stuff. Incredible. Uh, Moto two, no joy for the Brits really. Sam Lowe's qualified seventh. By now, Moto two, the track was getting a bit drier. I think they were all on slicks, but it was um, you know half wet, half dry. Sam dropped down to fourteenth after a trip into the gravel. Uh, Jake Dixon qualified twenty third first, but moved up to eleventh. So Jake keeps on coming back, but not quite getting there. 
Grand Prix itself had to have a MotoGP had to have a restart. Spectacular crash on the opening laps when uh, Danny Pedrosa dropped his KTM, and uh, Lorenzo Salvadori uh, couldn't miss the bike. I mean, luckily missed Pedrosa. One of those awful cases, you know, when the riders kneeling in the middle of the track. You know, that's the worst case scenario with, with motorbikes. And um, Salvadori just sliced the KTM in half. And a whole tank full of fuel exploded in this dramatic fireball. So they had to stop it restart. Didn't it? It, it looks yeah. scary. You know, great racing. And Jorge Martin, who, uh, you know, he had this, his first season of MotoGP, he had this horrendous crash, I think about three months ago, where he broke ribs, collarbones, spines, vertebrae, and things. Um, and he got himself fit again after the summer break and just ran from pole position at the end of a really brilliant ride. And he's only in a semi-works bike, they call them the satellite bikes. So he's riding a Pramac Ducati, which is like you know, the, the, the Toro Rosso to Red Bull of the, the Red Bull teams. And neither uh, Martin or... Johan Mir, the reigning champion in his Suzuki. But, you know, for, for Pramac, again, the whole thing about MotoGP, there's always someone in tears at the end of the races. You know, they're enthusiasm, they're, they're families. And I, th I sometimes think it's because it's such a dangerous sport. They have more appreciation if they came second or third. You know, they, they're still delighted. But you know uh, what, I find that, that's, that's one of the things I found with, with racing. You've been around racing your whole life. But one of the things I found is the whole feel and the uh, how... Everything is so important. There's so, it's not just the driver. You know, I've said this before on this podcast. You see a driver that maybe you don't like or a team that maybe you don't like and he, they crash and you sort of have a little chuckle. Oh, he's out. That's great. Lewis can win. But the amount of people involved in this, your friends, your family, your team, your the tire manufacturer, your sponsors, it's just incredible. And, it's, and the passion as well behind it. It's, uh, it's been a massive eye-opener for me, uh, racing, not yeah. racing, but everything that goes on behind it. And those excuses, yeah, so. those excuses. When you when you're reporting and you've done, had a good race and you've finished in the top four or five of I've, I've lucky enough to do the most of the races so far, uh, or when I haven't finished, I've been there but I've been uh, had a crash into. It's easy to make excuses, but when you have a bad race and the only person you can blame is yourself, you don't really <laughs> want to talk about it, do you? But I will talk about it and we'll come on to that. But behind oh. the scenes, brilliant. Yeah, but no, Fabio Quattararo, championship leader on the on the Yamaha, he was third. He was delighted to be third. You know, he's extended his championship lead. But it, so it was a happy all-round on the podium there. And I think everyone was just delighted for Martin and Premax uh, to, to win a Grand Prix, their first Grand Prix wins. Uh, World Superbikes, so again, where the British normally dominate, but this uh, Turkish boy, I'll get it right this time, Topak Razgatalogu, um, he managed to win two of the races on his Yamaha, got beaten by Scott Redding in the third race. But Scott wasn't too happy with the way the Turk overtook him to take the final win. But uh, Chris Rea, you know, the, our Brit dominates, had a couple of falls. Uh, he's still got a big championship lead, but top wrecks coming up on the World Superbikes. Um, and that was about it for, for Europe. Uh, over, <laughs> over the pond... In America, they had their three major formats, an IndyCar race, a NASCAR race, and a WeatherTech sports car race. So lots going on in America. Uh, the main race, of course, was this debut race, um, the, the Big Machine Music City Grand Prix. I like their <laughs> title, their name. 
in Nashville, around this bizarre street course, you know, we went back over the, the river and back on this huge bridge. Uh, but it just had two tighter corners. I'm always trying to get people, watch IndyCar, watch IndyCar. Um, but unfortunately, uh, it was a bump fest. You wouldn't call it a crash because they were going so slowly when they hit each other. But it was a shame, really, because they, they had the start over the bridge and it worked brilliantly because at the end of the bridge, there's a really wide and a reasonably fast uh, left-hander. With the restarts, they made them start at the pit start finish line in the middle of the tightest of corners. And these, these Muppets, best drivers in America, you know, well, they kept on hitting each other on the restarts. And, and in fact, bizarrely, the cause of the second, I think it was like nine yellow flags and restarts. And the race took two and three quarter hours. They kept having to get the cars restarted. They stall so easily and then they can't drive away from the scene of the crash. But one of the first Muppet was Marcus Ericsson, who over-anticipated the restart, went slammed into the back of Sebastian Bourdais, went right up in the air, crashed down, had a whole lap with his nose under his front wheels. But bizarrely, because of all the safety cars and strategy in IndyCar racing, and you, you don't realise how it happens. All of a sudden, there was a restart. Well, Marcus Ericsson's leading. Wasn't that the bloke that took off and destroyed his car and got a drive-through penalty for causing the accident? Uh, well, he can't be leading, but it does happen that way in both NASCAR and IndyCar because they have so many of these safety cars when you can catch up. You don't have to pit, therefore you can you know, move up the field and you don't go in for fresh tyres or petrol. Anyway, so it, it ended up with actually with a really good head-to-head -head between Marcus Ericsson holding the lead and he'd set his car up with less air at the back, which is quite a good... So he was a bit tricky around the corners, but always had the speed over the straights. Because Colton Herter, this kid that dominated qualifying, was on pole by over half a second, and really dominated the race, but he just... The strategy, Marcus was suddenly in front of him, and um, he just couldn't get by him, because on the straights, Ericsson was quicker. And the end after, he locked up once and dropped back, nearly falling off. But finally, with five laps to go, Herta went in too quick, trying to catch Ericsson and slammed the wall and was out of the race. So Ericsson took the win ahead of teammate to Ganassi teammate um, Dixon. So How in the end, it was possible? a really good race. How is that possible that he could take the... There were just too many <laughs> idiots hitting idiots. I what, mean, about, what about that? They Matt? should know better. When the corners are so slow, I just finished on that. When the corners are so slow as these opening laps, you sort of believe, well, I must be able to overtake him because he's going so slowly in front of me. And, oh, I mean, they were all hitting each other. It was so, they just went for silly gaps. Then there were just two cars wedged in the wall and then the whole process had to start again. So I'm sorry if I made you watch IndyCar, but keep watching it because it's still brilliant. It just didn't, it was just too tight in the, in the twiddly bits. It was like a Formula E race. Uh, half the track um but, but nasco was good great race the um what was it the go bowling at the glen watkins glen and it was a brilliant race because of course the the most brilliant nascar driver won again um kyle. it was another another kyle larson demonstration brilliant you know just tactics got the strategy right um held off his teammate chase elliott who's won two he was on a hat trick chase elliott he's always one of the road course favorites in the, in his Hendrick Chevrolet, the same as Kyle. And he had to go to the back of the grid. I like the way they do their scrutineering in, in NASCAR. Because if you fail scrutineering twice, because they say that's wrong, apparently you had to, what was it, a 
the rear window was slightly out of it was an air air deflector because they try these little tiny tweaks for aero and, and they get caught sometimes and your crew chief gets suspended gets sent home i was like you fail screwing twice your crew chief goes home so you lose an important uh, member of your team and it's like imagine sending them um, Sending old um, Rebel Man Warner. home. Paul Christian Warner. Warner. Yeah. Right. You're going home now you, because you've been a naughty boy. <laughs> uh, and they put you the $25,000 fine, you know, and they put you the back of the grid. But he came through from right and was closing on Larson towards the end, but Larson had it all in hand, as always. Um, and <laughs> the final good. American big sport is their WeatherTech sports cars. We've got these two Brits, Harry Tittman and Ollie Jarvis, who won quite recently in their Mazda, but they finished second this time at Road America. Um, only one and a half seconds off the winning of Chevy. Chevy. So uh, good for the Brits out. Those two boys are doing us proud out of the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. So yeah, lots of stuff in America. Not so much in Europe, apart from the motorbikes. And um, the biggest thing in Europe again th this weekend is the MotoGPs. So it's now the Austrian Grand Prix on the same track where they stay for a week. Um, World Rally Championship, which just seems to be going under the radar, I think, for publicity and headline news. Uh, they're in Belgium. Uh, this weekend but you know again we've got Elfin Evans going well trying to chase down Sebastian Ogier who looks like he's going to get another championship the way things are going uh, British Superbikes of Doddington for us Brits if you want to go and watch some bikes um, and then if you're in America if you go to Indianapolis this weekend uh, on the IndyCar road course you'll get uh, IndyCar on the Saturday and NASCAR on the Sunday the first time the NASCAR boys have done the road course they're doing more road courses this year so fabulous doubleheader at Indianapolis if you happen to be over in America or Brilliant. going to America. And Book now. I took my son out there. We did a wonderful driving trip, Harry. We took from New York and uh, with a friend of mine for his 18th trip. We went to Indianapolis and they had the WeatherTech sports cars on the Saturday, Indy cars on the Sunday. So it's a traditional doubleheader weekend. If you want to plan a holiday in America... But you host uh, some of those events with Steve, um, who I've met before. So if you do, if you do want to travel, if we can travel, maybe next year, then we'll give you some. We'll give you some um, forewarning, and you can maybe join TIFF and uh, on one of the big events. But typically, you go. You is it is it in Daytona? Daytona, you go typically. Yeah, the Daytona Five Hundred. So yeah. a few, only a few spaces remaining for our wonderful four days at uh, the Daytona Five Hundred in February, where we where we go to the beach and we go to a little half mile racetrack on a Saturday night and uh, eat good food and drink good beer and wine. Well, good food, hot dogs, and good beer. Uh, uh, that's the that, that's on the half that's on the half mile track. We have we, that's the, that's the cheap night. And then of course, you know, we we watch the tracks on the Friday night, the track race in the dark, and then the Indy Five Hundred itself, which is the, one of the greatest motorsport spectacles I've ever been to. It's just amazing. For those who watching or for those who listening, I'll explain. Uh, the very observant ones amongst you will notice I'm not in my room. I'm we're out and about. Tiff's got his Pirelli top on, which means I know you're off to Thruxton to give some fast laps. Um, Wary out Pirellis, using up a lot of Pirellis, wonderful tyres. And one more thing, I know how it's very early in the morning, and I know that because your voice, you're always a bit more husky in the morning. I can hear your dulcet tones a little bit huskier. So uh, on that bombshell, <laughs> oh, I can't say that, that's a Top Gear thing. On that note... Thanks for joining us, as always. Uh, look forward to seeing you next week. And the Caterham video will be coming, and uh, my hands will be up for all of my failures. <laughs> Cheers. And you froze again. You did your grand finale. You've just done your... And you froze again. You froze with your hands up. What? And next... What? We'll... Go.
So we've no well, idea what you actually said then. I'll well, say goodbye for you. Goodbye, everyone. See goodbye, you next everyone. week.